0: today to tell us about this process because we must tell these stories. Good morning, everyone across Australia. Good evening, America, and welcome to those listening across the planet. Special hello to Russia and Germany this evening. You're listening to Tony Lontes, and I'm the co-host of our amazing show, The Author and Artist Hour with Kez Wickham St. George. Just a bit of housekeeping before we get started. If you're listening live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, we have the wonderful PAYO in the Philippines ready to answer your questions. Take your comments and provide you with links to anything that we talk about on the show today. And then a reminder too, if you're not listening to this live, you will be listening on Repay on Binge TV Networks USA, HeroGo TV Networks USA, and the Tony TV channel on Binge Networks USA, and also on the Tony TV channel app available on all Roku, LG, and Samsung smart TVs across the planet. Now, something that we've been starting in 2022 and for which I'm very passionate about, and that is an Australian welcome to country. And this is part of a movement that focuses and acknowledges the special and important role that Indigenous communities play in the development of this country's cultural identity so I respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region of Queensland Australia, the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today and I pay my respect to the elders past and present and all the aboriginal torres strait islander peoples here with us today and listening online and in replay now my gorgeous co-host is cares wickham st george number one best-selling author author's mentor artist herself and provider of amazing video book reviews and today's guest is an amazing man who has certainly packed a lot into one colorful life jem fuller has spent years wandering around barefoot in the backwaters of the indian subcontinent to corporate and senior leadership roles to time spent as a global tattooist a fire dancer A motorcycle courier, a healer, a kindergarten teacher and a volunteer in third world countries. Jem has certainly lived a lot. Over the last decade, though, he has been running his own coaching practice, helping executives and senior leavers, as well as running leadership retreats in the remote Himalaya, Bali and deserts of northwestern Australia. And we're going to ask Jem a little bit about this later, but on the show today, our purpose is to talk about Jem's newly published book, The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men. It's already receiving rave reviews and his TEDx talk is inspiring people around the planet and we are incredibly grateful to have Jem with us today. Welcome to the show, Jem.
1: Wow. Thank you so much, Tony. What What a lovely introduction.
0: I'm really excited to talk about lots of things with you. And just so the listeners know, this show we're going to talk about Jem's new book because it's a powerful um, discussion about communication. And on my other show, The Business Show, we're going to talk to Jem a bit further about what he does in his business life. But I'm going to stop talking for a while and I'm going to hand over to the gorgeous Kez Wickham St. George. Hello, Kez, and welcome back.
2: Hello, and thank you for that lovely introduction. Jim, mm-hmm. you are a gem. You are. I'm I'm, really, I'm sitting here reading while Tony's talking about you introducing you. Gosh, men do need you in their lives. They don't. Well, I know you can't agree with that, but <laughs> I think they do. I think they do. You know, men do need leadership because they're. You know, most boys are brought up as blokes. They're brought up, you know, tough. Got to, got to be a tough to be a man and. I disagree with that strongly. If you can't cry and you can't have a cuddle or want a cuddle, there's something wrong somewhere. So, yeah, I do believe a, a lot relies on parenthood. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, just listening to you talk then cares about how you think it's great for, for all of us to be able to cry when it's needed. It just reminded me of a story. There was a time when we were watching, me and my two sons, I've got two teenage boys, and when they were a, a fair bit younger, I think they were probably around 10 and 8 years old, and we were at the, um, the AFL Grand Final. For those of you listening overseas, that's Australian rules football. That's our, our big that national That crazy game. Crazy game. And we were watching the Grand Final uh, at someone's house, and it was a typical Aussie barbecue. You know, there was meats on the Barbies and dips, and everyone was having a few drinks. And it got to the end of the game, and the team who won this Grand Final were the underdogs, and they hadn't won a Grand Final for 37 years or something, and it was very oh. emotional for them. And one of the men who was a part of this team on the TV, was crying. Uh And these two guys behind us in the room who were drinking their beers, Aussie blokes, Uh and one of them said, oh, you know, look at you, you bloody wimp, bloody crying, don't be a girl, blah, blah, blah. And my two boys at the age of 8 and 10 both just turned around completely innocently and earnestly, looked at this guy and said, what's wrong with men crying? And this guy was completely put back in his place. He kind of went... Oh, you know, he had another slug on his beer, and he felt really silly. Yeah. Really, but for my boys, they're like, "Why do? Why do men or boys should they not cry?" Was the point? Yeah,
2: that came to my attention when my paternal grandmother died, and and very very close Irish family, and none of the men cried, and I could see my father just holding it in until he got home, and then he got bad case. well, I thought he was hiccuping. He was he was in the lounge. He was actually crying, but we weren't allowed to see it. Um, yeah. And it struck me then: why? Why can't you, your mother's dead? Why aren't you crying? Yeah. And I was seven, and that happened. So it's been with me a long time. When I've watched men um, struggle, absolutely Are struggle,
1: you- how unhealthy it is to, to repress that emotion. You know, mm. there was an. I'm with one of my boys where we'd been at the, the, um, the shrine for my younger brother who died when he was 30 on his motorbike and we'd been on his anniversary, we'd been at the shrine and we were walking away and I was holding hands with my son and the tears were streaming down my face. And my boy looked at me and he said, Dad, I understand why we cry. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, it's because it's getting the emotion from the inside of you to the outside. It's releasing the emotion. And I was just like, Yes. You're right. That's so true, you
2: know. Yes, mm, it it's very true. So this new book you've got, Jim, I'm interested. As a book reviewer and as a,
1: <laughs> a reader,
2: I'm very interested in this sort of stuff. Tell me more about your book.
1: Uh, the Art of Conscious Communication originally was, was a broader book and, mm-hmm. and the reason I, I was wanting to write about communication um, as current, in my current role as a leadership coach, helping leaders you know, lead more consciously and create healthier workplace cultures, it became pretty apparent that we trip up in in communication a lot. And quite often Mm. people are on the same page or they want the same outcome or they're on the same team, but it's in the miscommunication that comes conflict or misunderstanding. And also working, um, my partner and I have run relationship retreats for years. And quite often in a relationship, you've got two people who love each other but they're just missing each other in the communication. Mm. Um, And it also seems that communication is so important for us for so many reasons, but even to just have an idea and Mm. to manifest that idea into reality is Mm. impossible without communication.
2: Yeah.
1: And Mm. then more broadly and and politically, globally at the moment, Mm. it's it's so upsetting to watch people Mm. shouting at each other across Mm. these digital divides of different Mm. and, and this... Um, identity politic that's really taken hold, and I believe this and you believe that, so we're just going to shout we at each other. can't come
0: together. Mm. No, and
1: it's really um, not helping us as a global community, we and really no. I, I believe that the way forward is in better communication, you know, because there's yes. stuff we've got in common, you know. We this. all have the same colour blood. We all care about our children. We all need mm. food and water and shelter. We have mm. a lot in common, and we are actually all subject to the same finite resources on this planet
2: mm. you know,
1: but we we've identified in differences and forgotten how to communicate so I was pretty passionate about that and then as I started to write the book I engaged a, a, a mentor a book writing mentor and she suggested to me that I narrow the audience a little bit she said mm. pick an audience to write for rather than mm. one body important mm. do you know what I think men really need to hear this right now so I started and then I called it The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men mm. um, and and wrote it for men, but it's for everybody. And I kind of, I feel like this book will find its way into the hands of good men through the hands of good women because women are more likely <laughs> to pick up self-development books yes,
2: and yes, read I agree.
1: and then yeah. go to their partners and suggest
2: them. Yes, I agree entirely. Yeah,
1: yeah. I find that
2: communication with men, um when you know i have a boy of my own and and our communication started off as mummy's son and as he's grown older and i've noticed with my husband too uh, our communication has changed like the way they now from boy from boyhood right up to a senior man um our communication changes with each other so it's no you know my husband's now retired but it's like the communication between us has changed completely i now and no longer say, goodbye, there's your lunchbox, I'll see you in two weeks' time, because he was a FIFO. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's it's strange the way that happens. It just happens. It's like someone's tapped a magic wand overnight, and you are now a real married couple, and your language changes. Because mm. he's always yeah. worked away from home. So, yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's funny the way yeah. you all have to um, fit in and respect each other.
1: Yeah, that's right. And and for men too, in, in a lot of cultures, not, not all cultures, but predominantly in, in Western cultures, men have been indoctrinated into what's acceptable culturally. Oh. And so there are these stereotypes within which we feel we have to fit. And they've come understandably from, you know, world wars and industrial revolutions and times of depression and hardship oh. where you did have to suck it up and put on a stiff upper lip and you you couldn't show your vulnerability you, that was a weakness and all of this cultural um oh. stuff that's been put on to men and so men in in my culture in Australia and I, and I think also to a certain degree in America you yeah. know you can't show your emotions you can't oh. um, show your vulnerabilities and, sure. and that um, you'd have to be able to do that to be able to communicate more authentically oh. and to connect to your emotions you know, um, I, I believe men have access to the full range of emotions. It's just that we've buried them so deep because we yeah. we we're not allowed to do that.
0: Jim i want to stay on the subject of men in uh, in general across the globe at the moment i actually feel feel for men in general because i know from a female perspective that there are many many women stepping up and rising up and speaking out and talking their truth etc cetera, etc cetera. And what appears to be happening uh, for a lot of men is that they feel very threatened or insecure or unsafe. And so the rhetoric back at the women that are rising up is quite toxic. And I I knew that you were coming on the show, and I I hope this is okay to bring this up, but your your book is about communication and, and, and men, and so my question is how do we address this? Because for the world to work in beautiful harmony, we need equal masculine and equal feminine energy, and it needs to be balanced. And for millennia, it has been unbalanced and mm. uh across generally speaking within Mm. different humans it can be very balanced Mm. however generally speaking it's been very unbalanced how do you talk to men about what's going on globally and in specifically if you see some of the conversation in australia around men and women and how we show up or, or don't and if you take instances that are probably thought provoking across our current media for example the recent image of our prime minister and and grace tame and the rhetoric that was directed at her because she did not smile how do we have more fruitful conversations between men and women about these issues because from most women's perspective it's not about hating men. It's just wanting you to understand what it's like for a woman and to acknowledge that there is inequality, that we aren't listened to, that we aren't respected. And those conversations, how do we start having those, Jen?
1: Yeah, I think it's got to start, and it's a big piece of work because yes. what we're trying to do is shift um, a deeply ingrained cultural misappropriation and, and Absolutely. Misunderstanding. so it's a big piece of work and and i believe it has got to start with education and understanding mm. quite often when, when humans um behave um unacceptably towards each other it comes from a place of fear and yeah. fear comes from the unknown so if men and i'm doing this in inverted commas because it's a generalization but if when men don't understand women or the masculine doesn't understand or vice versa. Mm. That's when the fear comes in and that's when the behavior is not functional. So I believe it's it's an education piece. And the other thing too, Tony, like you said, I, I completely believe that we need to bring back into balance masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. And what people the misconception is that people think masculine energy means men and feminine it energy. It doesn't, means it's men. in
0: both right. of us.
1: Right. Mm. So men have got access to their feminine. And what's missing, I believe, especially in our corporate and, and, and governmental yes. structures, what's missing is the feminine wisdom, the feminine intuition, the feminine sensibility, the feminine human-centricness. Now, mm. we can all access this. And, yeah. and, but men don't, um. a lot of men, a lot of men don't know anything about what this is. I so know. we need to educate them to it because once you understand it and you go, um. oh, that's what feminine energy is, that's what feminine mm. intuition is. We could really do with some more of that yes. or in my or in my my community or in my society. So uh. I think it's hard to start with education and understanding around what we're actually talking about.
0: Yeah. And I think, Jim, that you writing about this and and knowing you as as a person, you're an important part of those conversations that we need to start having around the way that we communicate. And for men to understand that it's no longer okay to attack when you when you feel fearful about what another woman is saying Um, and and conversely that women are allowed to have a view and it might be different from your view women um, should not be told about how they appear what they say what they wear Uh, and it's about respecting that they're allowed to have an opinion. And if Grace Tame, for instance, doesn't like the Prime Minister, that's okay. And I Mm. would agree that, uh, and I'm wondering what you think about this, Jim, that having uh, an office of stature, i.e. being the Prime Minister of Australia, Mm. does not... Mean that you automatically gain respect, does it? And nice. so, just being in that mm. position doesn't give you the right to expect certain pe- expect people to respond to you in a certain way. And that actually comes back to communication, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and as you were talking, then Tony, I'm thinking that perhaps even if you're holding, you know, a position. In office or in the public eye, that you should actually be trying to work harder at earning, authentically earning respect. Absolutely. And look, I I personally don't believe that it is ever functional or acceptable or okay for anybody to be horrible to anybody else. Yes, Um, I stop. Mm -hmm. And so, and and what I've found in in working, I work with a lot of men and a lot of women. I actually Mm, yes ran, ran women's retreats in Bali for seven years until covid came Mm -hmm. and what i find is that generally people are good people most men are actually good human beings they don't want to behave inappropriately Mm -hmm. they just don't have the tools to how to make a shift so for example um you know you could have a, a bunch of blokes standing around and one guy makes a derogatory comment about a woman. Mm. Right? The other men in that group, and even the guy who made the derogatory comment, yeah. if they were really quiet and they really listened into their own conscience, uh, was that a good thing to do? Most of them, No, know.
0: it wasn't. They
1: just don't have the tools or the courage to call each other on that. And, they, yes. and so they, they're implicit. So they go along with it and they go, Oh, yeah, yeah, what a beauty, or whatever they say. But in the book, there's a whole chapter where I'm giving yes men tools and strategies on how they can call their mates out and go hey mate that wasn't okay to say that mm. you know we um, can have a laugh and we can have a joke without putting women down or without being yeah. or or even abusive in our language you know so giving men the tools to create the change because most men are good men they just don't know how
0: yeah yeah okay. I okay I... It it does go back to that education at a fundamental level, doesn't it, Gem? And we seem to have missed that in recent decades or we're just not doing it right.
1: Yeah.
2: I, um, I went, not off the subject, but I went to the movies yesterday and I saw this movie, which absolutely shocked me. I had to get up and leave. It was all about oh, no. an old folks home and how men were just so horrible to the woman. And all the women, um, they just wanted love affairs. And it depicted the old age way of looking at men and women. Women were there for one thing only and so were men. I actually left the theatre because Aww. I felt insulted. I also thought, I hope that's not me in the future, but I actually <laughs> felt really insulted. You know, it was like... um why hasn't someone told the movie producer that this is just not on anymore
1: why hasn't yeah. someone
2: educated him education is the way out of any argument yeah. and well, i think when men and women learn that that we can actually have a conversation without an argument it's just going to make the place so much better
1: yeah mm. absolutely it when when people argue and start to and emotions start to get in the way of a of a functional conversation it's really only because they're getting defensive and defending their sense of identity, egos jumping and yeah. in involved. And when we can remember that if we're just gonna have a conversation and let's we and we can disagree, we can share our points of view, we can actually lean in and seek to understand the other person's point yes. of view when it's yes. to us,
2: That yeah. this is the
1: way forward, this is the way to create change. You know, one yeah. of the one of the fundamental things that need to change for us to create um a situation where we should have more women in decision-making roles and more women in yeah. leadership the world needs it right yes but at the, at the same time there's a there's a concurrent project that needs to be happening which is changing the way those environments exist there's no exactly. point, there's mm. no point in allowing women into leadership roles if they if have it's
0: to come toxic that
1: masculine toxic um, game yeah. we need to change the game so it's not a man's game anymore it's a people's nah. game and that yes. we can encourage, you know, this feminine wisdom into the, into the corporate and the political worlds.
0: Mm. So,
2: sorry, Tony.
0: No, you go, Kes. I'll, you go Getting off the
2: subject of leadership, I want to learn more about your barefoot in India and why.
1: Why barefoot in India? Um, well, you end up in <laughs> these chapters in your life and you can look back retrospectively and think, how did I get there? Um, A couple of reasons. It was following, it was, um, and then a part of um, my first identity crisis in my late 20s, and I had got to a point of, I was, when I was younger, I was very anti-establishment. I really wanted to buck the system, and I ended up, um, you know, kind of trying to find a sense of identity as a punk in London. I was living in squats. Um, I was really (sighs) anti-the system. Mm. And then I got to a point, oh, broken heart. My childhood sweetheart and I broke up necessarily, but I was completely broken hearted and pretty mm-hmm. lost, actually. And then uh, my sister flew into London. She was working in Europe and she reminded me, remember, you're here saving up to get back to India because I'd, I'd already fallen in love with India. And so I remembered what was going on. I got a, a ticket to India and I got to India and I thought, I, I didn't know who I was anymore. I wasn't so and so's partner. I wasn't an actor. I used to be an actor and i have left that behind. Um, I hadn't really been in touch with my family much, so I didn't have that sense of identity. So I really didn't know who I was. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to run an experiment. I'm going to let go of all of those vehicles that I identified with Uh and I'm going to let go of any future design. So not what am I going to do in a year from now or what am I hoping to achieve in a career What am I even going to do tomorrow? I let go of and I just woke up each day and if I felt like moving, I'd pack my pack and I'd move. And then part of the barefoot thing was that I really wanted to experience the culture not as a tourist. I didn't want beggars coming up and begging from me. I didn't want people thinking here's another rich tourist and and charging me more. I wanted to disappear into the culture. I, I grew a beard and I had dreadlocks. I wore very, very simple I can roses. see
2: you like that, actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had a long beard. I had dreadlocks. I, had, um, I wore a lungi, which is just a piece of material mm. wrapped around um. and a very basic T-shirt. I stripped all of my belongings right back. I had a, a, a little small bag. Mm. <clears throat> and I even got a, a little kerosene cooker and some pots. And I'd have my spices with me and I'd go into the local markets and buy the veggies and go and live outdoors predominantly. And cook on a fire i went super super simple and basic and it got to the point where i did become i did disappear into the fabric of their culture and people stopped Mm. begging from me um there was actually if we've got time one remarkable story which really stood out um i was sitting on a train and i used to travel in the cattle class i didn't want to buy a seat or a bed i wanted to sit with the untouchables because i really wanted to immerse myself Mm. so i'm sitting on the floor all crammed up through the night, just outside the toilets, which is not a really nice place to be. <laughs> but sitting next to the open door of this train as it click clacked through the night. And next to me was a, a woman who was from the untouchable class and cast and she had her three little kids climbing over her and me. And through the night she, she didn't speak any English um, and I spoke a couple of words of Hindi. But we communicated with gestures and nods and non-verbal communication and she was sharing her um, her assorted nuts out of the rolled up newspaper with me Um, and her kids were kind of climbing on me and then one of her kids fell asleep on me and she was looking at me is this okay and I'm like yeah it's fine and so we had this really beautiful connection with no words spoken. Beautiful. Anyway in the morning this the train slowed down at a rural train stop in the middle of nowhere um, and the the trains in India quite often don't fully stop at these small stations. They just slow to walking speed and people jump on and off the moving train. Oh, wow. And yeah. So she, she gathered up, scooped up her kids and her few oh. belongings, And as she was climbing over me to get out of the train, she reached her hand out to me. And I thought she was shaking my hand or something. It was in the wee hours of the morning and I was kind of half asleep. So I reached my hand out. She pushed a 10 rupee note into my hand. She gave me money. I had $10,000 sitting in an offshore bank account, right? And I thought, and she was, in in her culture, I was a sadhu or a holy man or or a stinky hippie. (laughs) And they support, so a sadhu in India traditionally is a a man who has given up their worldly possessions to go and seek spiritual enlightenment. I was just a hippie kind of cruising around broken hearted trying to find my identity again. (laughs) But so she was supporting me. And for a split second, I felt like a fraud and I felt really bad. And she jumped off the train. I said, oh. sister, no, in Hindi, diddy, knee, knee, but she was gone. And she'd given me 10 rupees, which was 20 cents or something. And I thought, wow, I've, I've made it. I've become assimilated into this culture. Yeah. And that for me was really important because then I could experience the people, um, mm. not as an outsider. So that's the Barefoot in India story.
2: Oh, wow, it's amazing.
0: Jim, what is it about India that encourages these um, human experiences to go back to basics? What is it about India? Because it's one country that I've not been to yet, so I want to understand what it is. Is it it the spiritualism? What is it?
1: Yeah, it's, um, well, for a start, India is a place you either love it or you hate it. Yeah. Some people are really confronted by by India. And, and I think, you know, I, I was really spending a lot of time in India back in the, the 90s. So mm. it's changed a lot in the last few decades. The, the extremes are still there.
0: Yeah. But
1: there's a massive growing middle class that wasn't there when mm. I was walking around. Okay. There's a, there's a big middle class now. But what is it about India? I think for, for me, coming from um, a Western culture where it was either religion or atheism so to speak yes. and I grew, I grew up in a Christian household yeah. I went to a private catholic boys school mm. my dad was a uniting church I went to church every sunday until i was 16 when i said to mum and dad i'm not going to church anymore yeah um, you know how can how can millions of hindus and muslims and jains and jews how can they all be wrong how can they all be going to hell just because yes. they're christian yes <laughs> yeah mum and dad were intelligent enough to not be able to argue that and they said well fair enough you don't have to come to church if you don't want to anymore Um, Mm -hmm. but there was no space for me here in Australia for a rich sense of um, spirituality Uh if it it wasn't religion whereas in Uh India it's it's their way of life you know Uh everything has a spiritualness Uh to it there's a yeah. reference. And whether you're a Hindu or a Jain or a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian, it doesn't matter. And whether you're not even religious but you're just spiritual, mm. it's yes. a part of the way of life. So it was okay for me to go and explore what spirituality meant to me mm. and, and all the other backpackers that go there and, and look for yeah. it as well. Yeah. So I think that's a big draw card to India.
2: Okay. Mm. I found India very giving, very, very giving. Everybody was willing to give you something you only had to, to look, you know, just look in one someone's direction, and they were offering you things. And I was completely floored by their uh, generosity and their humble attitude.
1: Yeah, so much so. Mm. so. So, and their ability to find joy and happiness when they have next to nothing. Oh yes, yeah.
2: Because I, I got right into I got right into um, the ceremony because I love ceremonies. So yeah, I was didn't join in because there's no language or what to do, but I thought, you know, I was there in the audience each, every time that something was on, I was there. It was like, this is just amazing. It's so different. I come from New Zealand, again, another spiritual country, but so different. It was amazing. I just, yeah, I'd like to go back one day.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, I I do up until COVID, we we take people there every year. My partner and I run um, retreats up in the northern Himalaya of, of India, Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another draw card for me to India was the same reason that I was drawn to other countries that are culturally very different to ours and again at the time I wasn't so conscious of this I really just wanted to go to places that were that were really different to mine mm. um, and now looking back I think it was because I was I, well, I know it was because I was drawn to human connection but cross-cultural connection. Mm. I really wanted to sit down with someone who spoke a different language, had a different religion, had a different upbringing, mm. but find things that we could connect on. Mm. You know, it's really important to me to find this human connection across these these differences. Fabulous. Mm.
0: Okay. Jim, do you think that that human connection is part of the way forward in helping men communicate better do you think that's an important piece of the puzzle
1: oh yeah absolutely yeah i I remember listening to a podcast it was actually on on sam harris's making sense podcast and he was interviewing um a guy i I wish i could remember his name but you'd be able to look it up but this guy was um a former neo-nazi wow wow the head of a neo-Nazi um, collective in one of the cities and, and his background was horrific. It was violent and, and horrible. Mm, mm. Um, and he somehow had a life change and got out of it. Jump forward now to what he does and he's a mediator and he mediates <sighs> between different groups wow. of people. And he said that the strategy for his mediation is first, we start with what we've got in common. Mm. First, we start with what we've got in common, and that, then we work from there. You know, if we mm. start with differences, we're not going to get anywhere because we can easily disagree on things. That's right. We've got, you know, we've got to find what we've got in common, and quite often people, um, through their fear, have a hatred of someone else who they've never met. That's right. They've never mm. met. They've never met anyone yeah. from this group of people that they hate, and they mm. haven't ever yes. had a conversation with them. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's really communication. I mean, communication. The word comes from the Latin noun communicatio, which is a sharing, and the verb communicare, which means to make common. Mm. You know, so communication <gasps> is about to coming together and to make mm. common, to have a common understanding together,
0: and common ground from which to to explore life and conversations and and everything. If you start at that common ground that that's a great point jen mm-hmm. um Kez, you got another question i have because we're getting
2: right away from leadership here but i want to know more and more about you Jen. um <laughs> tattooing now being an artist i'm right into this so tell me about your tattooing days
1: um yeah sure <laughs> look i i always liked tattoos and i didn't get my first tattoo until i was 21 um but then, you know, just was was into getting more and more tattoos. And then, through being part of that community, and then was part of a, a, a tattoo community um, in London for a while. And then, when I was in India one time, um, so, so, somehow I came across some tattoo ink. Someone gave me a little container of black tattoo ink. And I thought, I'm going to try tattooing myself by hand. <laughs> <laughs> I sewing needles. <laughs> and I, I the <laughs> <of> sewing needles. <laughs> And then oh. I you know, I strung them with some cotton onto a stick and I dipped the stick into the ink and I tattooed an om on my wrist, which is still there. Oh wow. Wow. gosh, that's good. That and that was that was wow like almost 30 years ago and it's still yeah. pretty good, right? Yeah. And I went, oh, that worked. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um so then I I think I tattooed myself again. And then a traveller said, oh, you can tattoo me. And I was like, oh, no, you don't want me to tattoo you. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and, and and it began. And so I started tattooing other travellers. And then we and then it got to the point where the artwork was good enough that we could mm. trade. So, you know, someone would give me something and I'd give them a tattoo. And I just started tattooing more and more um, and got proper needles and, and everything like yeah. that. But still always tattooing by hand. And then it got to a point where I, um, the work was good enough for me to charge for it and it was a wonderful cash trade while I was travelling mm. the world because mm. it didn't take up any room in my backpack. I just had yeah. a thing of, you know, clean autoclaved needles and ink mm. and some chopsticks and that was it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I ended up doing that and then when I came back to Australia, I travelled for many, many years. And oh, then mm. one time I came back to Australia and got a job in a studio so I got a, a proper tattoo job. I'm um, still tattooing by hand. Mm. And then, and, and I think you'll get this, Kez, then the the art and the ceremony and the ritual for me, because tattooing mm. is one of the oldest rituals for Tat- us humans, mm, and the yeah. art ceremony of the ritual started to get not even just diluted, it started to get perverted and, and lose its oh. meaning for me, you know, because I'd have yeah. these people coming in off the street and mm. looking at the board up on the wall and going, I want number 32, please, and getting a heart with a thing through it or something. Uh, There was no meaning to it. It it had lost its Yes. you know. So I moved away from it because I wanted to preserve my relationship Um, with tattooing as being something more tribal. And it's a position that I still hold in my community. Um, uh, I don't very often. Um, But if I feel that it's meaningful and it's someone that I care about, mm -hmm. then I will. Um, I was gonna
0: say, Jim. Um, I have one tattoo, and it was very ceremonial, and has deep meaning around that one tattoo. And I've actually been recently playing with some some more. But yes, for me, it's not about the the, the tattoo. It's about the the meaning behind it. And, yes.
2: Yeah. And,
0: and 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 I don't want to make that a rushed decision so I understand that it's and again I've not heard people talk about it in that way uh, mm. with the deep meaning and ceremony behind it so it's good to to talk about that today um, before I return us back to um, leadership before we run out of time I was also interested about the fire dancing <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're pulling out all my old um, hippie travel stories I
0: know yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right.
1: um, yeah, look, I, and and you know, this will segue back into to the leadership in a sec. Mm. Remind me to come back to this and and mm. I think it's important that I've lived a very, very alternative life and then I went into the corporate world for eight mm-hmm. years and, and found a way to communicate um, in um, that context and now and now to be the bridge between such difference um, I yeah. think seems to be important for us. But anyway, the the fire dancing um I met some other travelers again this was back in the 90s before it was really very very popular and I met some travelers from Europe who are still friends of mine and they were um twirling fire you know they had fire stars and toys and they were twirling fire and I was just I just loved it I was like wow that looks amazing so I got myself a couple of sticks and I got myself some (laughs) poi I started teaching myself and it's Before lighting it on fire, obviously, you're learning the actual technique of it. It's really beautiful because it's a a dance. It is. You're dancing. It's it's really in your body and it's a real connection to body and Mm. movement and dance. So I really enjoyed that part of it. And then the adrenaline of lighting it on fire and possibly burning yourself. Mm. (laughs) So I started doing that. And then um, I just kept doing it as a hobby. And then uh, some years later, my then wife and I, we were on a two year kind of working honeymoon around the world after we got married and we were in Taiwan um, as kindergarten teachers. I was a kindergarten teacher for a year and I was standing outside a pub one night in Taiwan twirling fire um, and a Taiwanese um, performance agent came up to me and said, hey, do you want some work? I can get you a really good <laughs> doing that. So my wife and I put a little routine together and we earned ridiculously good money standing outside the <laughs> department stores in Taipei on a stage twirling fire and we were the novelty because these two Westerners twirling fire yeah. outside the big department stores um, um, and we paid, you know, like a month's wage in for, for a 10-minute show kind of thing. So wow. So that's how that started. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what an amazing experience. life you've had. You really have. So all these experiences, they prompted you into writing
1: the book Um, They certainly, they certainly, um, all of these different experiences, and you can imagine there's plenty more, Mm -hmm. all of them um, came together to give me at the age of 50, uh, what I felt was something worth sharing, worth offering. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel there's a, I've got to a place in my life where I could offer some tips and some advice with authenticity, because I've lived it. Everything in the book I share is something that I've learned and practiced. Um, it hasn't all come from me uh, yeah. and some that I have just made up. But it's just as the, you know, I say at the start of the book in the pro, before the prologue, this is not a scientific paper. This is not me trying to prove anything. This is just a story, of travel stories yeah. and some stuff that I've figured out that works and I'm sharing it with you. So it's very humble. Um, but, no, the book didn't come directly from the travel experiences. The book came from... The last eight and a half years I've been running my own coaching practice and so I've coached many thousands of hours and, and hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, and like I said at the at the top of us talking, really understanding that a lot of the times when us humans trip up is in miscommunication. So I thought it was important to talk about how we can improve that. Um, communication. Um.
0: Jim, I'm going to bring my next question back to um, leadership and, and particularly that CEO executive level of leadership. So my background is in nursing, and I had a theory around uh, dealing with uh, doctors, specialists, and surgeons, and most of those, as you know, are predominantly men, and my theory was that they spent so much time learning the um, technical and science around medicine, surgery, etc, that no one stopped to teach them about social skills and communication. And Mm. I'm wondering if that theory applies to executives who have spent a lifetime of a gathering working uh, experience and then they get to those top Levels of, of management and still haven't learnt how to communicate. Do you find that in your practice, Jim?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I completely agree with what you're saying. And there's another thing that plays into and supports what you just said, Tony, which is that, um, you know, we have, there's four understood behavioral styles, and mm-hmm, we all have mm-hmm. an end up, some of us have one style that's a very strong lead style. Yeah. But it's no accident that a surgeon ends up becoming a surgeon or an executive ends up becoming an executive, mm-hmm. they end up becoming those professional roles due to oh. their behavioural style mm-hmm. largely and also their, their upbringing and, and lots of other context, contextual stuff. But two of the behavioural styles are very masculine energy, so not yes. men, there's, there's women oh, there, no. also, but they're very masculine energy styles and these mm. two styles um, are the very technical and autocratic and um, decision-making, yeah. result-focused. So just mm-hmm. get the result. not Don't worry about the relationship. So yeah. that they don't have a natural, um, um. A, a natural way into emotional intelligence. Now, emotional intelligence can be taught, thankfully. We can learn emotional intelligence. Yeah. These two behavioural styles are not naturally emotionally intelligent because that's not what they're focused on. They're focused on getting um. the results. Uh, Whereas the other two behavioural styles, which are more feminine energy styles, and there's lots of men with these yes, styles. Yes, yes. Feminine there energy styles more they're more focused on the relationship. So they're more yeah. nurturing, caring, emotionally intelligent, careful in their communication. So I and I, I coached um the head nurse at one of the big private hospitals here in Melbourne for a while. Yeah. And i her with leadership and we had this conversation. Yeah. It's no accident that most, nurtures, uh, mur- most nurses I'll have a nurture, a carer, a behavioural style. Mm. That's what they've been yes. the right? So they're <clears throat> emotional intelligence and being careful with their bedside manner and the way they yeah. communicate information to the um, patient. And yeah. then you've got the doctor coming in who's just focused on the result with yeah. no natural aptitude towards being careful. Correct. To um, you get this divide and the nurses are saying, God, you don't have to be so abrupt and so rude about it. And the doctor's thinking, what are you getting upset for? I'm just telling you two milligrams, not three. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah, and and also you know you put on top of that, I don't know if if the medical degree here in Australia has changed, but last time I asked someone about it, there's no course in there on how to.
0: I was just going to say I I yeah. keep asking too because it was one of the key factors in actually leaving nursing and, and hospitals and and healthcare was mm. the the fact that you just have to. Work with some really unpleasant people, and um, sorry. Before I let um, Kez ask the next question, just at that level, executive level, um, that you you talk to, do they recognise? that there's deficiencies I, again from my nursing experience it was the the nurse managers and the nurse leaders that read, readily recognised when there were deficiencies in their leadership or their management style but not so much the men and i'm wondering if that's changing from your experience
1: yeah look from my experience it is changing uh, having said that also we attract to us what we what we're putting out there so the executive males that i coach Uh um are reasonably open to this stuff yeah Uh, that's i wondered. you know but i I think men who are in an executive leadership role realize when there's a communication deficiency when they're not getting the result so they've Uh tried to communicate something and it's not working their team are not listening to them or their team are not moving in the direction they want them to move in or the KPIs, heaven forbid, and the, and the, <laughs> the numbers are not adding up to what they mm. want. And and so they're forced to go, hell, why won't these people bloody listen to me? <laughs> right? I and, well, because I said. Well, because of the way I'm delivering it is the next step that I help yeah. them get to, right? So because of the way you're delivering it, that it's not being listened to. So let's explore different ways of communicating. Mm. And that's mm. where I come in and help them.
2: Mm. I'm too busy listening to you, Jim. <laughs> my my antennas are out there because I'm also thinking all sorts of other things that we could do with your book.
1: Great! <laughs> right. I love to hear that. I need your help.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm here yeah. to help. So, if if we encourage, as you said, the woman to buy the book, so we can actually get our men folk to read. That's what I'm hearing because men don't pick that book up. There's got to be, um, well, I hate saying this, but the, the younger men, which are more trained in use of their emotions, they will read it. But it's the older folks, the ones mm-hmm. like the doctors and the specialists that are really abrupt, that's how they talk to like two and two are four, not four and a half. Yeah. And so where a woman will 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 play with that four and a half, but what else can I add? What can I take away? That's what women do. And I would love to see this book hang it out to all the, you know, mm. on 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 the plane. As the men take off to go FIFO, mm. it's in the seat of the plane. that mm. you know, in the pocket at the back of the plane. That's where I'd yeah. like to see the book. I think, yeah. you know, if you, instead of having the instructions of what, what if we fall out of the air and have, what to cope with, Let's yeah. have the book instead.
1: I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
2: oh, a great like, idea, Kess.
1: You know, it's, I, I think that a lot of older men, older, older mm. men, you know, that are getting towards the end of their careers, and these are the ones oh. that are in the most seats of power, yeah. a lot of them trying to teach an old dog new tricks. I don't oh, mean yeah. to be um, pessimistic or negative, I'm trying to be realistic it's really hard to do with a lot of them. So I'm thinking, I'm I'm kind of removing myself from the the immediate moment and looking at this on a broader macro time scale Mm. and this cultural shift and this education and this um, having more women and more feminine wisdom in the way we run the world is a longer term project. Now I know it can't be too long term because the world might not be here in fifty years, but I was gonna so say it's, it's gotta
0: change in the next, in next to, yeah. fifty years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: If we're looking at men that are still just at towards the end of their careers and they're determined to yeah. not change and they're mm. in their late sixties and in their seventies and stuff, then pretty soon get out of get out of it. <laughs> Let's have the next yes. generation of young yeah. men yes. who are more emotionally intelligent, who are more inclusive of mm. women working together with them, mm, not yes. trying to be a man, just being a woman, mm. because that's what we need. You know, mm. I think that's where we should be focusing our education efforts, you know. if, if I had I, to, I, choose, I tend I'd to disagree
2: have, a I, little bit there. I think that the older men, they need to be educated on how to teach the younger men. It all is an education, no matter which way you want to, to plant the seed. Sure. If we trained our senior men to teach our younger generation I mean, because yeah. even even the my grandson who was only 21 he's a much gentler version of yeah. my of my son um yeah. and they're all in different you know my son's sons in his 40s so i see this this 20 year old grandson and he's so gentle and kind and i look at yeah. my son and he's like dig up the earth rip out the tree you know, plant <laughs> you know something and then there's my husband who's, who's a who doesn't know where to turn? So there's you've got all these generations of men, Jim, um, mm-hmm. and I happen to live with them, and I'm yeah. going around in circles half the time. what's your opinion? So. Oh, please,
1: please give, please give my book to all three generations. And <laughs> yes. I, it's just that anyone we, we can't we can't help anyone change or learn or grow if they're determined not to. Yeah. So it can, mm-hmm. it can only be regardless of the generation, it's got to be someone mm-hmm. who's open to it, and mm-hmm. that's why I think it will find its way to men through the hands of good women. And and the women that have read the book, the feedback Mm. that I'm getting is, wow, I loved this book because so much of it is applicable to humans, regardless of gender. Mm. And also they said it's helped me understand my man better. Yeah. Because I'm getting an insight into yes. the way it is for a man to be. So it's yeah. given me a deeper level of understanding of him. Yeah,
0: so there I think that that's, that's a good strategy. I think that, yeah, women buy this book, read it yourself and then give it to your man because it yeah. will help I both agree. of you. Um, Jim, bef- I'm conscious of the times and I want to make sure that we let the audience know where's the best place to buy your book and how to connect with you.
1: Um. Best place to connect with me is through my website, gemfuller.com. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also buy the book there so you can find the yes. books page of the website and you can buy it there. Or if you prefer to buy it on Amazon, if you've got an Amazon account, either in the Excellent. States or in Australia, wherever. If you're in Australia, you can get it on Booktopia. Uh, yes. You can also go into your, your local book shop if you want to. And if
0: you ask prefer. them for it.
1: And ask them for it because they can jump on their computer and have it yeah. ordered in by a distributor. So, Correct. however, whatever's easiest for you to get, it's on Kindle. And this Friday, I'm really excited. This Friday, you got to do re-
0: the audiobook?
1: Audible, yeah. <laughs> on, on Friday, we're recording it. So, oh,
0: good, because that's the one I want. That was my next question. Are you going yeah, to
1: do
0: I'm, and- I'm a an an, uh, a, an audible consumer. I rarely buy uh, physical books i listen because it goes into my subconscious and that's the best place for it to sit
1: Mm. yeah beautiful i listen to my books um because of um, time prior to COVID. i was commuting a lot and my commute was when i would devour books yeah um, by listening to them yeah
0: yeah oh that's exciting so this friday you're producing the audio version
1: we're recording it on friday and then it'll go into post-production and however quickly after that we get it done we'll upload it oh that's amazing congratulations thank
2: you yeah yeah that's great jim, so jim if, if i can if i can offer you one thing if you can get the book to me i'd like to review and promote it for you um, that's okay. the other part i do if you'd like to do that um yeah i will i will email you and send you my physical address because i don't do email books i find that really hard to show and tell So, yeah, you can send one to me. That would be lovely. And, look, I'm quite happy to have a private chat with you about uh, doing another book. I can see you in a bigger field. Oh, Um,
0: Jim's got... Jem's got a whole series of books planned, Kez. Absolutely. We have chatted about this. Wonderful, Kez, Jem. We are completely out of time and I don't want to run over today and keep you past our time. Jem, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Kez, you know that I love co-hosting with you. The book is called, Jem?
1: The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men. Um, and gem fuller and i just checked before we did this show together i just checked and i went went on to amazon.com and i it's just typed yeah. <laughs> Gem Fuller, and it's there <laughs>
0: Okay. I was going to say I checked two. I checked too because I'm like I need to get a copy of this book Alright oh. wonderful team. Jem, uh, you and I will be uh, talking on my uh, other shows shortly uh, not this week in a couple of weeks I think. Kez thank you so much Jem. what thank a you. delight to have you on the show sharing your experience. If you want to connect with Jem, please do Jemfuller.com. the book is there also on Amazon and we wish you every success and that my wonderful audience is your lot for this week. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Kez. Bye for now.
1: Bye.